Neat Neat Paris is an award-winning songwriter and the director of A&R at Artist Max in partnership with legendary producer Ken Calais. Like many, today's guest started out in the corporate world and came to realize that something was missing. Soul-searching and exploration led Neat Neat to try a songwriting class at UCLA, and she's been hooked ever since. With a specialty in crafting lyrics and melody, collaborations are at the heart of her process. And, given her track record working with Grammy and Emmy-winning musicians, it's no surprise that she's full of insights and tips into writing with authenticity, evoking emotions, and so much more. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. Well, Neat Neat Paris, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Thanks, Ethan. Great to be here. Yeah. Hey, so you and I go back a ways, but for people who don't know who you are, what would you like to share about yourself? Uh, well, I'm first and foremost a songwriter, um, and I write in different genres. I work with artists, and I also do songs for film and TV and advertising. Um, I And I, I also am a partner in an artist development company called Artist Max. So we work with artists to help develop them and prepare them for a career in music. Um, and that's been going on for a couple of years now. So it's another one of my projects. But um, mostly I, I write, I work with, I collaborate with a lot of different writers. Um, I'm involved in several different songwriting organizations, um, mm -hmm. including the Hawaii Songwriting Festival, which is where we met Ethan. I, yeah. I, it was maybe seven or eight years ago. It was definitely, it was still when it was in Kauai. I remember that. Yes. It was the Kauai Music Festival then before. Yeah. It and Adam Z was probably there. Yes. Yes. He was yeah. there. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I, <clears throat> I've been a part of that organization since probably around the time I met you. And then, um, and then also, Nashville Songwriters Association. I have a chapter here in Malibu that I started about six years ago. And, um, and then the Durango Songwriters is another organization I'm part of. So um, I like to stay involved with all of these different groups and each one of them has different um, benefits to songwriters that, you know, I really like being part of that, bringing value to songwriters and also kind of making sure that songwriters have advocacy and a voice and um, NSAI and SONA and organizations like that have been really instrumental in helping protect our rights, especially this year. It's yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. So you're always busy. That's like one of those things that's always struck me about you. You know, you must be pretty aligned with your passion because you're always active and doing stuff. At least that's the perception I get. Oh, thanks. Yes. I, I like to think that, 
I, I like to think that I'm always keeping my goals in mind with everything I do. Um, um, like everybody, I'm sure I, I do get off track with a lot of extra things. But uh, a long time ago, I got involved with um, something called Franklin Covey, um, which I, maybe you've heard of. It's just basically a time management tool. And, uh, and, and I was so interested in it that I was asked to teach time management to leaders at the company that I worked with, which was uh, Delta Airlines at the time. Mm. And basically is built on this whole principle of defining what your, your big goals are in life, your, your, you know, your principles and values, and then structuring all of your actions based on that. So it's kind of ingrained in me that I don't keep, I don't use a journal or any, anything like that anymore. I just always try to think about, um, is this working towards one of my, my goals? So yeah. even if, down with a lot of details and work. I try to make sure that those activities are aligned with my goals. That's fantastic. You know, I, I remember it was after I met you, but after I really got aligned and I took a life coach training course, like for six months. Mm -hmm. And part of what I like learned to do deep thinking about was that idea of like aligning values and intentions to action. And that has just been so immensely beneficial for me. And of course it makes sense that you've found that yourself. And were you forced at the time you kind of discovered it to, to do that introspection and figure out what was working for you and what wasn't working? Yeah. I think in the beginning when I first started doing that, I really liked having the structure of having this basically um, workbook calendar that would help, the Franklin Covey system does. It kind of helps you align um, and really think about what's important. You go through these exercises. And um, I think having that um, and, and, you know, maybe even working with a coach like what you're doing, I think is so important to help people kind of just get on track and make sure that, um, that they're following their passion and following their heart so that they feel like they have some purpose and they're making progress you know, towards their goals, because I, I really believe that, you know, it's in that progress that we find happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a journey rather than a milestone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so when did your journey with songwriting start? Uh, that started, I want to say 10 years ago, I um, had always been in the corporate world before that. And um, and I always sort of knew it wasn't really right for me, but I would find ways to make it work. <clears throat> Excuse mm -hmm. me. It was like, take on all of the, um, the community service campaigns and I would lead them or, you know, I would get involved with uh, diversity campaigns and different things to kind of bring my own passions into the, the business role. Um, but at one point, about 10 years ago, it became really apparent that um, I wanted to pursue something more creative. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, it was about that time when I was working at Bank of America in this finance and technology division. And um, I had to decide if I was going to stay at the company or take a severance package and leave as we were merging with um, another company at the time. Yeah. And I had spent the, the year prior to that helping place other people in this new organization, helping people do interviewing and salary negotiations and resume writing. And, um, and 
I decided, and when it came time for me to choose to pursue a position in this new organization, that's when I really did some soul searching. I remember I took some time off uh, over the weekend and I met up with some friends and um, just asked them, what do you think about this? What do you, how do you see me um, in the future? Do you see this kind of career for me? Because I knew I'd be taking on a lot. Yeah. I remember my, my very good friend, Thea, told me, um, she said, I don't know why you stay in business. You've always been so creative. And I always saw you doing something more creative. And it just kind of really resonated with me at that moment. And because of her, I think, um, I really found the strength to just walk away. Mm-hmm. I left the company and I um, just start, started taking classes at UCLA in songwriting, creative writing. And that's when I found that I'd been a songwriter my whole life and I just never paid attention to it. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it's a long story to get to the main point is that 10 years ago, I started taking classes at UCLA. I took a class with called Writing Lyrics That Succeed and Endure with Mm. the great lyricist Marty Panzer. And, um, and I learned so much from him. And in that, that first class, I was awarded a scholarship the Hal Gabba Scholarship for Excellence in Songwriting, and I got to continue working with Marty for several years after that. Wow. So that's kind of how it all started for me. So I, I owe it, um, you know, I guess it's really a good example of how I think everything that I have and everything that we have in life is usually the result of somebody showing some sort of kindness to us. And yeah. both Thea, who, by the way, um, sadly just passed away a few days ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Thea and Marty, they both were so instrumental in helping to give me the courage and strength to really dive in and explore this, you know, this, this songwriting journey. Yeah. The right encouragement and affirmation goes a long way. I, I, you, you, you've probably hear a lot about the myth of the lone wolf and you hear about these success stories that seem to be do it yourself. And I haven't talked to anybody where there wasn't some sort of community mere peers and mentors involved in that process of uncovering your greatness, I guess. Yes. Yes. It's like a big collaboration. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a big keyword, right? So you collaborate a lot, right? As a part of what you do and uh, talk about that. Um, I, I really believe that, collaboration is is vital to creatives um i know there are a lot lot of people that work on their own but there's so much to be gained by collaborating and kind of joining forces and joining energies together with another human um it can be just so beneficial in so many in so many different ways um when i first started collaborating i was really terrified of it and um I started having some great opportunities to work with different people, some hit writers, and and I found that I was really nervous, and I would sometimes shut down in a, a collaboration session, and mm. real problem to overcome, and um, and I, I realized that if I was going to be able to do it, I needed to first do it every day um, till I became comfortable with it. And, you know, learn different personalities and different styles of writing. And um, so I had to kind of face my fear and just, um, you know, be uncomfortable and and do that for several years until I felt like I could go in the room with anybody and feel like I could contribute 
and, and, and not and identify the kinds of things that would shut me down or different ways people get shut down in a creative session. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a real thing. Oftentimes we shut ourselves down and, and sometimes, you know, there are people who are unsafe to collaborate with um, and maybe they can take coaching or prompting and maybe they can't. And what did you discover about yourself in that, in that process? Uh, you know, <clears throat> that's a, an interesting question because I think it's a very personal one too. I, mm. I realize that um, it kind of goes back to the, the basic, you know, the, the fears and beliefs that we have about ourselves that hold us back, mm. um, you know, um, and, and so at a really basic level, I realized that I felt like my voice and my, my ideas weren't valuable mm. or I wasn't enough. Um, you know, I, um, like I had to prove myself and, um, and I, you know, so it's a very basic thing that I, I realized that I carry with me from, you know, my, my growing up, the, the life that I, you know, the world that I lived in growing up and, and all the barriers that, um, were imposed on me and that I put on myself. And I, I had to realize that, um, that, you know, all I have to do is change my beliefs <laughs> and yeah. change my future. And so, um, you know, I, I realized that, that I had these beliefs about myself that even though I wouldn't come out, I wouldn't logically believe those things at a deeper level. I realized that I was feeling those things and feeling like I, my, my, I had to keep quiet and I couldn't speak up and that my ideas weren't good. And, um, you know, just overcoming that hurdle, uh, it was very life changing for me. Yeah. And you know, that, that doesn't happen without taking a leap of faith at least a few times, right? Before you can actually accept those new beliefs as, as more than testing them, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And, well, it's amazing that you did that, first of all. So good for you. And what, what is like a healthy collaboration environment look like? Ah, well, <clears throat> I think um, the best kind of collaboration is when everybody in, uh, in the room is open to, uh, to the ideas of others. And I think as collaborators, we all have the responsibility for bringing out the best in the other person. So we have the responsibility for making sure that we do what we can to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. They're going to bring out their best ideas. And Part of that is, you know, uh, trust, making sure that you can trust each other. And um, as a professional songwriter, obviously, sometimes you're put in the room with people you don't know. Um, ideally, you'll have some time to get to know each other. But there has to be trust. Um, you have to mm -hmm. go knowing that the other person is going to respect your ideas. And also, um, um, you can share freely without having to worry about them taking your ideas or criticizing your work or... Um, you know, you have to have that trust. So I think an ideal songwriting session or, or any collaboration is having um, the freedom, feeling free to create, making the other person feel free to create, and both parties being able to trust one another. Hmm. Yeah, and that takes time to develop, right? Yeah. 
And sometimes you're walking into rooms with strangers or acquaintances that you haven't worked with. And do you just, just give people the benefit of the doubt at that point, like as far as your own internal mindset and walk in with that trust until it's broken or? Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. I do. And, um, you know, it doesn't happen that often, but every now and then something will happen and, and it surprises me, but most of the time people are, um, you know, I think very good. And there's kind of a code among songwriters, you know, that you just respect each other's ideas. And I, I think it's best though, in a perfect world, if you can find a couple of, um, your core collaborators that you work with on the songs that are most meaningful to you, that you mm -hmm. work basis maybe once a month or once a week um, if you can find those people that you really click with um, it's really the best I mean I write with a lot of new people or, or artists or for projects and that's a little bit different but if I'm writing a song that I want it to be a song that's my truth or you know you know very authentic and um, where I'm really going to dig deep I like to write with a, uh, a couple of, of friends um, and long-term collaborators. Um, I have this one writing team that we meet twice a month and uh, it's three of us. Mm. And, uh, oh, both of whom I met in Hawaii, by the way. Hey. <laughs> Write so well together and it's always so rewarding. We walk away with a song that we're so proud of and um, we really kind of push each other and sometimes there's silence and sometimes it takes, you know, longer than, um, three hours, sometimes it's six hours, but we're all willing to just keep going and pushing, pushing through the plateau and just kind of moving until we get what we like and, and um, always looking for how, how can we say it better? And, um, you know, not feeling ashamed or shy to just shout out ideas and, and then um, consider different directions. Um, I think that's really the best way to get the best song out of a, out of a collaboration. Yeah. And when you go into these, like you mentioned, these couple different types of scenarios of, of writing, um, there's like that, that core writing team where you're going deeper or, um, and there's a lot of trust and, and your own personal taste seems, sounds like drives that project and versus where you're going into like this project that maybe has a specific goal or an artist. And so how are those different? And, is one like more valuable than the other and you know i leave that open intent open-ended intentionally right <laughs> but um so i really love there there's a lot of value in writing for projects for example writing for a brief for a sync project i love doing that um it gives you some some guidelines and um, parameters so you, you know you, you pretty much know what the target is and I think that there's a lot of creativity that comes from that. So there's definitely um, some value to doing that. And um, as far as collaborators, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a skill in finding the right collaborator for a project. So if, for example, I have a brief for an ad, um, I would find the, the artist that has the right voice and the producer that can, or engineer that can create the right sound and we would collaborate on that. And I think that's a whole different kind of creativity that you wouldn't get if you were just writing um, for the sake of writing. Yeah, and so you, sound, you kind of become a producer in that, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, yeah, it's a uh, collaboration on everything um, in, that, in, in those cases. Yeah. And, um, and then the other piece of it is like, is writing for an artist for their project. 
um, in those cases, um, you know, you really heavily rely on what the artists, what their goals are, what sounds they're looking for, what songs they might need in their um, lineup, maybe for um, singles they're lining up or their um, EP they're working on, or, um, and then, you know, really rely heavily on what their, what, how they feel that day, what their emotion is, what, what subjects they want to write about, and, you know, what suits their voice, um, you know. So obviously some themes for like a, a 15 year old singer songwriter will be different than, you know, a 30 year old. Um, so there's all of those factors that go into it. Yeah. So, you know, I would ask all these mechanical questions just because I can, and you're, you, you kind of took this different Avenue than I did. Right. And one, I think you do primarily lyrics, right? You can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I do um, primarily lyrics. Um, I also do melodies. And when I write by myself, I do melody and lyrics. Mm -hmm. Without having a a music, a background in music, I kind of had to learn to do that to be able to sing melodies um, for my lyrics without an instrument, which is um, challenging. And now that I can work with so many talented musicians, I don't have to do that as much. But um, but I do do melodies as well. But most of the time, if I'm brought into a session, it's usually because I'm a lyricist. Yeah, and I I had a similar path to you early on, right? I did the corporate world, and then I had a chance to walk away with the severance package if I wanted to. And that summer is when I went to the Kauai Music Festival for the first time. And uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a couple, couple of years before you. <laughs> and But I went into it thinking that I was an artist and I played my songs. And so I had a really hard time deciding between those pathways. And I think I tried to do them all and accommodate them all with limited resources in terms of time, energy, and even money, right? Yeah. And, and I hear people ask a lot, I only write lyrics like how, how can I fit in? And I feel like you're like a perfect guest to look to, right. For, for uh, pathways forward and ways of thinking about this. Yeah. I think, um, you know, lyrics are so important. Um, obviously, you know, one of the key parts of a song. So anybody who's got a skill for writing lyrics, I would encourage them to partner up with people that are skilled at writing melodies or can just play music. And I, I, I would, I would bet that those lyricists have the ability to do melodies if they just, um, you know, explored it a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I think that everybody can do it if they, if they just are open to letting that kind of creativity come out of them. And sometimes that's a lot of work, but um, I think that, you know, being a strong lyricist, you know, I would say get out there and, meet musicians and uh, singers and work with them and uh, bring your great ideas because uh, it's not everybody can write a great lyric. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it's so important to the song. And, you know, yes, I, I, I mel- everybody asks what's more important, the melody or the lyric. And obviously the melody is what really hooks you in and it's so important, but I don't think you can get away with um, having a bad melody. Um, I mean, I, I think if you can get the, the great melody and the great lyric paired together, you know, that's, that should be the real goal. That should mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're doing this artist development thing now too. Is that what, where did that come about? Like, 
Well, I um, uh, several years ago, I was at the West Coast Songwriters um, Conference up in San Francisco, and I met Ken Calais, who is was the producer of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors and Tusk and, and worked with so many superstars over the years. And he and his daughters, Colby Calais. Um, so I met him there. And um, sometime after that, he invited me to be a guest songwriting coach at one of his weekend artist retreats that he that he was doing um, with this new company he was just starting called Artist Max. And uh, so that's so I, I, I worked at the, the workshop and I, I taught a songwriting uh, lecture. And then after that, shortly after that, we started working together. He asked me to come and be a partner with him um, on the company. And so we do artist development. We bring in artists through a, a four-day intensive program. People come from all around the world to learn about uh, everything they need to know to get started or to be successful in the music business, like mm. coaching, songwriting, um, uh, um, uh, stage presence, movement, choreography, um, a lot of things like that. And so we have those events and then we also have artists that come in for development. So they, they need to get in the room with writers. They need to be paired up with um, different producers and, and we help them with that process and then ultimately record them and mm. help them get connected in the music business. It's almost like a function of what was lost in A&R, right? That idea of bringing people along from earlier in the process. Yeah. And creating those connections, which is, I, I imagine you could talk to it better than I could, but there aren't a lot of opportunities to get fostered and nurtured in that kind of environment. It's so true. I think, um, you know, most labels, they're looking for somebody who already has all of those skills and already has a great following and some, you know, marketing behind them. And um, so, this is kind of a way to give artists an opportunity to prepare themselves to, to, to go to the label. So they have some ammunition behind them so that they can, you know, really go in strong and have the best shot at it. And that's our goal with our artists is to help them get signed to a label. Yeah. And I could see the value, even if you weren't trying to get signed, just in, I, I played locally a lot in bands and collaborations outside of, before I kind of immersed into that world. And the biggest differentiator is not having that culture and shared understanding of how things actually work. And almost like that songwriter's code you mentioned, or that code among songwriters is like this code. And if everybody's on the same wavelength, right, it re removes a lot of opportunity for frustration and bad feelings. Yeah. Yes, it's true. And, you know, you're right. It, there really is a lot of value in, in um, finding a team of people that can, or, you know, even just one mentor that can help you to understand how things work in the music business. Um, I remember when I first got started, I had, I had no idea how to structure a song, how to get the song recorded, how to find a collaborator, how to, um, you know, how to get a song recorded, how to get a song out there. I mean, these are all kinds of things that uh, each step is really important. And to have, I think, to have a, a community of people or a place where you can go to get that kind of education is so valuable. Mm. 
no matter what you're doing, like you said, even if your goal isn't to be signed, but just to have uh, find a happy place in your music, whether it's performing live or um, writing for film and TV, knowing how those things work. It's good to have a team of people that have the resources. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people early on might feel they're not ready to engage or find that kind of community, but is it beneficial for somebody just starting out to get immersed early on? Yes, I, I believe so. I think the sooner you get involved with organizations or a mentor that can help you with um, developing your craft and building your community or building your network, the better, the sooner the better, especially if you know that you want a career in music. Mm-hmm. There's no way, there's no reason to hold back. Just get out there and meet as many people as you can. Um, make as many solid relationships as you can. And, and that's really important. I think that's really t- the two key things for any artist is to, to, to build their craft and become the best at what they do and also build their community. And, and that means going out there and finding mentors, um, building relationships with people. Um, and, and, and that really, to, to me, means going out and finding how you can bring value to somebody um you know you don't want to approach people and find out what they can do for you you want to go there thinking about how can you make bring value to them how can you make their lives better what do you offer and always trying to think about that so you know how can you be um you know a a better colleague how can you be trustworthy and um um you know, finding ways that you can bring value. Yeah. You, you mind if I ask like kind of a real talk question? Sure. Is, I'm sure you don't but be polite. Like it's 2020. The music industry has changed a lot in the last 20 years and especially in the last 10 years that you've been learning about this and doing it. Um, like, what are the opportunities for songwriters moving forward as far as professional opportunities? And, like, is there a concept of, like, how many people can realistically do this? Like, how does the industry scale to accommodate people who have a dream? Well, I think there's so much opportunity out there, and I think it's just getting better. Um, I think things are just getting better and better. Uh, I really believe that for songwriters, I mean, there's always the um, the avenue of pitching your songs to artists. So that goes back to, again, building those relationships so you can have avenues for pitching the songs so you can get maybe a, a, a big star to record your song. Um, that's one way, obviously, to do it. But then the other thing that's that's really growing, and I don't see any stop. It seems like it's just expanding, exploding, really. Um, and that is the, um, the sync world, you know, writing music for film and television and advertising. Mm. And is that just because there's more and more content getting made, getting made and released with these different services right now? Yes, yes. There's so many different shows and different networks and and each show or each film have so many songs um, in them. If you watch, you know, one 30-minute episode, they might have um, short excerpts of, you know, 50 different songs in there. I mean, I, I don't know if that's an accurate number, but there could be many, many songs. So the music supervisors that 
place the music in those shows and those films, they're looking for music. They're always looking for music. So as long as there are these um, shows being created and films being created and ads mm. created, there's going to be opportunities for songwriters. And, um, and I like to tie them both together. I like to write, always write, I call it think sync, write with sync in mind. So if I'm working with an <laughs> artist, I'll try to think about obvious, first and foremost, how the song fits their project but also how can it fit into the sync world so yeah. that it can have multiple revenue streams. Okay, and that's an interesting one, right? Because when there's a couple different ways you can approach philosophically, at least writing song lyrics in particular. And so how do you, how does your thinking on Think Sync shift from writing for an artist traditionally to writing in a world where you're mostly exploiting your, your songs? in sinks um i mean that's a good question but i think um there's so much room in in um writing for film and tv and advertising that for true real emotions and um i i think it's kind of it's limitless really i mean um the most common ad song that i've heard come up in the last two years has been about uh, friendship and togetherness and mm. love, uh, you know, fa familial love. And um, these are universal themes that come up. So I don't really see any um, any compromises at all. I feel like, you know, an artist can come in the room with um, an emotion about, uh, you know, finding inner strength. And there are going to be lots of TV shows and films that have that theme come up. Mm it feels to me like you can write an authentic song, even if it's targeted for an ad or something, but it's still deeply meaningful and um, taps into the emotion of the writer, the singer and the audience. Yeah. And it, that's great. And like emotions, a big part of a story, right? And how do you, how, how do you think about storytelling in, in song and lyrics in that kind of world where you might be sinking? Um, well, it depends. A lot of times there's the image that songs for sync are, you know, don't have, uh, you know, any real meaning in them, but, um, I think that's changing. And, uh, and also in, in country music, it's kind of, it's a known fact that there's more storytelling and Americana, there's a lot of storytelling. Um, so some genres don't lend themselves well to storytelling, mm. um, can use the stories, your stories, to write a song based on the emotion. So, for example, if you were writing a song, if you were writing a song for a film about a river, you would write the song about how you might feel standing by the river, or um, how the river behaves, or maybe what the river's thinking, or something like that. So, um, instead of just describing the scene. Yeah. So it sounds like there's real strong emphasis on a couple focal points maybe like north star almost yeah like, yeah so that takes discipline and, and craft it sounds like to write that way yes 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 i believe i believe so um i do think though the the, the storytelling and songwriting is is really precious though so i wanted to go back to that because i think that part of the reason why we write songs and um, uh, why people create stories is, you know, they have something they want to reveal. Um, and 
I think that that authentic voice is really important. So um, that kind of songwriting, I, I really hold precious to me. And, mm. you know, some of my favorite songs that I've written have been almost stream of consciousness kind of songs that just sort of fell out and almost like I didn't write them myself. And, but I know I recognize myself in them. So I feel like that sort of storytelling in songwriting um, and any writing is so important and really can, it, it has the power to, to heal. And I, I mean, I want to say even validate existence. It's so important. Mm. I appreciate that. And um, even with sync where you have to kind of change the way you say your story is still based on the real authentic feelings that you feel. So um, I feel like you can do both successfully. That's great. And so you mentioned like people write because they, you know, they have something to reveal about themselves. Like, so why do you write in 2020? Like, what are you connecting to? What kind of stories are driving you? Well, um, this is kind of a, <clears throat> I remember once I was at a workshop with Mary Gaucher, who's an Americana singer songwriter in Nashville. Mm. And, um, and she talked about this. Um, she talked, she works with, uh, prisoners to help them uh, have a voice through song and heal through song. And, mm. um, I, so I think about her when I think about why I write, because I feel like, especially in, when I first started the songs and the poetry that would come from within were always tied to deep emotions and, memories from the past and I felt like my whole life and uh you know while I was in business I always kind of buried that and and never thought of never even acknowledged that I was a writer um until one day I had this epiphany and I realized that I am a writer and also that I have a unique voice and a lot to say and it's all tied into appreciating who we are and where we come from and being willing to communicate that and it took me a long time to get to a place where I felt comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, so it's very deep and meaningful to me. And, um, and I have a, a series of songs that I've written that I don't hold back. And I just kind of let myself dive into that, you know, who I am and where I come from. And, um, and there's so much value to that. So I imagine that's a scary thing to dive into, especially right when it's difficult to be vulnerable and, like what happened when you leaned into that discomfort? Um, I have some of my favorite songs that, you know, maybe will never be hits, but they're very authentic um, uh, and evoke emotions that maybe I haven't experienced since I was four. And I feel mm. like, um, and, and there's one song in particular that I wrote with my dad, um, that and my husband and it was based on the story of my grandfather and his life and just this kind of realization that all of the hardships that that my grandparents and great-grandparents experienced growing up in western pennsylvania working in the coal mines and all of that is still here with me so mm -hmm. even i'm not necessarily facing the same challenges that they did it carries down it gets passed down from one generation to the next and yeah. and all of the things that they valued and the hardships they endured it's still here and um i mean i wanted to honor it and um so i wrote a song 
called Coal Dust. And it was based completely on my grandfather's story. I and mean, he was trapped in a mine three times in his life. And it's saved all three times. And back then they didn't send people in. Companies didn't send people in to rescue. If you got out, you got out. There were no laws about it back then. And so, um, so it just kind of occurred to me that, uh, you know, his hardship is still part of my living memory now. And he, he I remember stories about how he would, um, they would chew tobacco to try to get the coal dust out of their mouth. You oh my know? gosh, yeah. In, 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 in their lungs and I have uncles that, that died of black lung which is related to working in the coal mines and, and, um, and so it occurred to me this line came to me that you know the coal dust is blowing all around my family tree meaning it's part of me and there, you can look around and still see the residual effects of that life and I wanted to honor that that's a great line yeah wow and i'm just sitting here thinking trying to imagine you know already with some cynicism this feeling but trying to imagine where it was a literal fact where you were literally disposable as a human being yeah when you went to work like yeah what does that do for an identity yeah and a family i know i think it's um it's really it's hard to imagine that, you know, before we had protections that people would go, they did what they had to do to, to support their family, even though they knew that, you know, it could kill them. And, it, you know, it's very serious. And, um, yeah, I think it makes, I, I appreciate the things that I've, I've, you know, I've been handed down. Like, um, mm. I, uh, I, we have my, in my family culture, there's a strong work ethic. So we work hard. And um, uh, loyalty is very important, and honesty, and um, those are the kind of things that they learned. And um, you know, making sacrifices for your family. And um, so, I, I appreciate that I have those, yeah. those traits passed down to me. Those become very real values in that context. Yeah, meaningful, right? That's that's a word, yeah. which I hear you use over and over again, right? Meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And do you look for that? Like when, when you're talking to artists and you're doing artist development, do you try to imbue any of that kind of sensibility? Uh, you mean in terms of finding out what they... Yeah, helping people connect to those things that are meaningful, I guess. Yes. I, I always start off a session with learning about the artists and what's important to them and what's going on in their lives. And I, I always say for for collaborations it's it's really important to honor the emotion in the room and that can be so crucial i think because for example let me let me give you an example i had some friends here also from hawaii who came here for a couple of days for writing sessions and we had one session planned and they showed up and um you know this is their they only had a few days here they only had a few opportunities to create music while they were here away from their families and it was really important but when they arrived they had just found out that one of their close fam family members had um a loss um uh, had a um something tragic happen back home and mm -hmm. they'd be there they couldn't go back 
um, it was, uh, uh, and, and so they were torn whether they should even come to the writing session or, yeah. you know, or, or not. And they decided to, they came here for this and they were going to do this. And so we decided rather than writing the ad song that we were thinking about writing, we decided to honor that emotion and write a song about how it feels to want to be with somebody that you love and not be able to be there with them. Yeah. And we wrote a song called far away. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, um, been nominated for an award and it's um you know it's one of my favorite songs and that was because we found out what was important to them what emotion they were experiencing that day and we just uh, explored that and honored that yeah that's that's powerful and like that's one of those things i've discovered through writing books and stories versus songwriting where maybe i was trying to channel emotion that i wasn't feeling at the time i was writing it right like that is a big differentiator in just how easy the words come and and how immersive you can get. That's a great tip, right? To honor the emotion in the room. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And so how has this year been looking for you as a creative collaborator as we're in the midst of, you know, coronavirus 2020 <laughs> uh you know the first couple of weeks i was so relieved to actually have a break because i never really take time to just wind down and spend time with my family and not have outside obligations so i absolutely loved the time and a few weeks in i realized that i also had to continue with work and so I've been able to continue working from home I have a studio here in my home so I do uh, I still get briefs and I write for film and TV and ads and uh, mm. I uh, can work with artists that can record vocal tracks or guitar or piano tracks and send them to me and then I work with um, an engineer to produce those songs remotely and um, in fact and in, in from maybe April till now, we've recorded, fully recorded, produced um, 37 songs. So that's a pretty good number. I know it's not a lot for some people, but it is yeah. a lot for me. And um, so we, you know, we've been working a lot. And I, I've, I've had, I haven't been doing in-person sessions. I've been doing them remotely, which I don't like as much, but I'm getting more comfortable with it. And, um, and uh, I did have an artist staying here with me for two months because she lost her apartment when the when the virus um cut off her uh her income mm -hmm. here with me for a few months and so we had some in-person sessions which was really nice and uh um yeah and right now we're still uh quarantine here so so officially no outside people coming in mm -hmm. i did when we were opening up again, I did have a little um, mini retreat here at my place with um, a, a hit writer who um, was coming to visit and then um, one of his artists and then my artist um, and my um, engineer. So we had a, a, a three-day intensive where we, we wrote six songs. And, mm. um, that was before, right before everything started to close down again. Yeah, yeah. The virus increased. That must have been a special energy and <laughs> particularly appreciated in that moment. Oh, it felt so good. Not only for the writing and the, you know, the creativity flow, but just to have people around again, you know, yeah. that. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's real talk. Yeah. And so how are you going to deal with the rest of your year as far as, I don't know, keeping sane and plugged in and, you know, all those things? Well, um, I'm doing everything online. I, I'm doing the, the NSAI Malibu chapter. We're doing online meetings, and it's kind of nice because uh, we can now open it up to a wider audience so people can come in. I have friends in um, Germany or China, or, you know, they can they can log into Zoom and, and be part of the group. So it's mm. really up a lot of things, too. Well, that's cool. Yeah, we can all be in Malibu. <laughs> yeah. You can all come. You're all welcome. Um, but it's really nice to do that. And then, you know, a, a lot of other organizations are trying to find ways to bring value to to members like NS, NSAI is, but Hawaii uh, trying to find ways to keep people connected. And Durango songwriters are trying to find ways to keep people connected, um, uh, you know, by doing some different competitions and things, um, which is really helpful, I think. And so I'll be involved in as many of those things as I can. And um, you know, continuing to write um, and uh, and create as much as I can. I'm also on a, a personal mission for health and wellness, which has been, um, you know, really, I think it's something that I've never really been able to focus my energy on in the last 10 years. And I'm trying to kind of regain that focus and use this time to make a positive change in that, in that respect. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> And you have family, right? And family needs to balance and those things. Yes, yes. I have two children, a husband and two dogs. Yeah, that's a lot, you know. And how does how's the balancing act change for that? Like, you know, with with being home all the time. Um, for us, it's a lot easier because there's not the driving to soccer, driving to music, driving to tennis, and you know, all of those things. Um, of course, the kids miss those things, but we have, and they're switched to online education, mm -hmm. and uh, they're doing it through the summer, too. So um, the, it's really, for me, I, I don't have a lot of the challenges that some other people are facing because we're quite happy to just be here together and have some interaction with our friends but we um we've ever been able to make the transition to uh living all together and quarantine um pretty easily you know mm. we're creating music together yeah. um, um just having quiet time together and everybody's learning it's funny there's uh in every room we have to make sure we knock first because you never know who's going to be on a zoom conference and whose camera's on and who, whose microphone <laughs> on uh, between the four of us is quite funny you're all you're all busy that's, that's, <laughs> that's great okay and maybe the last question serious question here no um like do you do you have like an outlet for creative play or is your work your creative play well, that is a good question. <laughs> it's really my work um, creating songs. I consider it my my hobby as well as my job. Mm. I um, I do find it really helpful to meditate, mm. and um, and that is something I've been recommitting to in the last couple of months, and um, and. Uh, and and yoga and different things for overall healing and um 
just the meditation I feel is really important right now because I feel like, you know, we have to have some sort of sense of connection and purpose right now, especially with all the turmoil that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it really helps me stay focused and not be overwhelmed by it. Um, you know, with yeah. the things going on in society right now and the virus. And so I feel like that um, has been really helpful to me. So that and, um, and writing. Both yeah. I had to quit Facebook. Yeah. About yeah. three, three, it's been over three weeks now. I, it just, it was eating into my productivity, just my mindset and mood and overall stress levels. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's hard. I'm sure. Um, I know I, I've uh, definitely reduced my presence in social media in the last couple months. Um, and I, I try never to scroll and read things because I, I find myself getting upset when it happens and I have to kind of regroup and um, regain. Yeah. And I noticed, I noticed a weird thing that, yeah, you know, I kind of like psychically or emotionally pick up residue from each post if I was scrolling so yeah. that I could never really fully appreciate, appreciate and drop into any single thing somebody had to share anyways. Ah. And so without that now, like when I'm communicating with somebody, even if it's email, like I'm getting, I'm more there, you know, and more appreciating the responses too. Well, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're getting out of this is that, you know, we're really connecting with people more deeply and, you know, we're all kind of having a, this little moment of time where we can breathe more deeply and, you know, the trees are greener and the wildlife are more free. And I mean, there's all sorts of good things happening um, that mm. out of this, this, you know, tough time. Yeah. Well, for people who want to know more about you, is there any way to learn more or get in touch if, you know, for general curiosity listeners oh thank you yes my website is Nittany Paris hmm. and that's it NittanyParis.com and then also my company um, is artistsmax.org and both of those places you can find out more about what I'm doing okay and Nittany that's N-I-T-A-N-E-E yes and then Paris like the city yeah great I love that name by the way Nittany <laughs> thank you <laughs> It's fun to say. I wanted to say to you, Ethan, I've really been enjoying um, listening to your podcast in the last couple of days. Really good stuff and some interesting guests. I'm going to listen to the rest of them. Um, But yeah, thank you for doing this. And, um, you know, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. And I love, I love the approach that you're taking to, to, you know, this kind of talk, you know, it's Mm. so, it feels so real and heartfelt. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm sure people listening appreciate that as well. So, all right. Well, thanks for being a part of the show, Neat Me. Thank you. There's a story as old as the soot black hills, but the blood in my veins remembers it still. He was born in a shack in a shanty town. That old place gave up long before they tore it down. The air was thick as smoke at dawn when the morning train ran through his yard. And he knew each day that he might dig his 
grave But he had seven miles to feed And nothing's ever guaranteed So he went down with his shovel anyway you've enjoyed today's episode of the fearless storyteller as a reminder any and all links can be found in the show notes and if you're enjoying this podcast will you please consider leaving a review by doing so you'll be helping new listeners discover the fearless storyteller podcast